We are on the third traditional theme of Advent, joy. And to hear about the joy of the gospel, we'll be hearing from the Word of God from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Would you please stand as we read the Word of the Lord? Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Pat. Well, good morning, Christ community. My name is Tyler. For those of us who haven't had an opportunity to get to know one another yet, my wife Stacy and I are uh, members here at Christ Community, have been for quite some time now, along with our son Glenn. We're also a part of a missional community that meets out on the west side of Champaign. It is my absolute joy to be sharing the Word of God with you this morning. That's what we're talking about today. That's what Pat had just shared with us, that we are going to be talking about joy, quite possibly my favorite aspect of uh, the Christian life. It may or may not be a surprise to some of you. Uh, and it's certainly fitting uh, that this is the season we're talking about it. Uh, there are a few other times in the year that, that bring me the same kind of joy that Christmas does, right? I don't know. Can I get an amen? Anybody else? Oh, giggles. Come on. You guys love Christmas. I just love it so much. I, I love the lights, the decorations, the, the music, the movies, the extended time I get with my wife and my son. It just, just fills me to the brim with happiness. Uh, but then, every year, December 26th just comes like a thief in the night to steal my happiness. Worst day of the year. Worst day of the year. It just, it just ends. All the things that I had treasured so much the entire two months before completely lose their taste. And yes, you heard me rightly. Two months. Christmas starts on November 1st. I don't know if you knew that. It does in our family. And, and truthfully, this is the nature of, of anything that makes us happy in this world, right? I mean, every moment of joy, no matter how satisfying it may seem in the moment, it's fleeting. I mean, nothing here has the power to finally and fully complete our joy. No Christmas comes without December 26th. We are always left with this perpetual need for more, more joy more happiness, more pleasure, desperately searching for what will finally bring the satisfaction we long for. And that's why the angel's announcement to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 is so intriguing. 
We read this from, from verses 8 through 11 here in, in Luke 2. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news of great joy, great joy, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, is born into our world. The infinite has become an infant. That's that's an incredible thought. That's an incredible thought. God became a baby, but but what is it about Jesus entering our reality that promises such great joy? Friends, this great joy is good news because Jesus was born into our world in order that we may be reconciled to God. There is no greater joy than the good news of reconciliation with our loving Father through Jesus Christ. Foot down on the ground, there is no greater joy than the good news of reconciliation with our loving Father through Jesus Christ. So, our aim this morning is to answer these questions. How does this reconciliation truly offer us fullness of joy? And what makes it so different from the joys of this world? But before we dive in, let's pray one more time. Uh, let me pray for us one more time that, uh, that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and our hearts to, to understand and rejoice in and hold fast to God's word. We pray for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts right now to receive this truth. God, put in perspective for us the things we trust our joy into in this world, the things that we try and fill our lives with, to be satisfied completely, yet they do not last. They do not fulfill us. Jesus, show us that it is you and you alone who give us complete joy, fullness of joy. Lord, I pray that we would understand this joy to be real because it is real. I pray that we would hold fast to it and that we would long for it and we would find it fully in you, Jesus. Speak this word through me powerfully. In your name, amen. All right. So let's begin with our first question. How does the reconciliation that Jesus came to bring us offer true fullness of joy? Now, to answer that question, we must first understand why our joy is so incomplete to begin with. Let's start with one of my favorite passages here, Psalm 1611. David, speaking to the Lord in prayer, he writes this, You, God... Make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You see, Christ community, we were created. We were created to know and possess the fullness of joy in his presence for all eternity. To glorify God by finding our utmost satisfaction in him. Not partial joy, not temporary joy, but complete, unfading, overflowing happiness forevermore. That's what this passage is saying. So why then 
is our happiness in this life so lacking, so fleeting? Why is our joy so incomplete? Our joy is incomplete because we have willfully abandoned our only source of complete joy. Our joy is incomplete because we have willfully abandoned our only source of complete joy. See, when, when Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, they did so by their disbelief of Psalm 16. That God is insufficient to fulfill our longing for happiness. And they thought, why, why settle for pleasure at his right hand when I can freely enjoy any pleasure here with my own two hands? Why trust in his joy when I can find my own? Why worship God when I can be my own? These are the thoughts that pluck the fruit from the tree. From that moment on, all of mankind was separated from God and his joy forever. Cursed to believe the same lie. As Paul puts it in Romans 1.25, we have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served the creature, creation itself, rather than the creator. This is why we're so hungry for happiness, friends. In our sin, we have traded the perfect joy of God for the inadequate, temporary joy of earthly pleasures. We frantically consume one happy thing after another, desperate to fill the void that only God can satisfy. We're like, we're like castaways, stranded at sea, guzzling handful after handful of salt water, but unable to quench our thirst, yet bound to continually try until death finally steals our joy from us for all eternity. That's the state of our sinful existence. What we need then is not some perfect worldly pleasure to end our great longing. We need a way back to God's presence, a way to be reconciled from our sin and to our loving Father. Yet, where sin has cast us, from God's presence, God came to be present with us. Now, jumping over to Romans 5, a passage that we read this morning. We read this in verses 10 and 11. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In spite of our treasonous rejection of God as his enemies, Jesus entered our world to draw us back into the presence of God. And he did so by living the perfect life of faithfulness that we could not, in order that he may die and rise again as our perfect sacrifice, paying the full wage of death that we incurred by our sin, that we may be reconciled to God and the fullness of joy in his presence for all eternity. The same joy we were created to know from the very beginning. This is what makes the great joy of Advent such good news. This is how reconciliation through Jesus offers us fullness of joy. Through Jesus, we get God. Through Jesus, we get God, our only source of complete, unfading, overflowing happiness forevermore. Now, let's dig in a little deeper. Let's dig in just a little deeper. Because on the surface, this sounds pretty good, right? 
And I, I can imagine that a majority of us here, we've probably heard this good news before. I pray that we have coming to Christ's community every week. Uh, and, and you may already believe it to be true, to, be, to believe it as good news. You may have already received this gift of reconciliation. Praise God if that's true. But there's still this lingering temptation in each of us to think that God isn't enough, right? I mean, that, that he won't complete our joy as he promised. That well, we can do it better ourselves with the pleasures of this world. And let's be clear. Let's be clear. Before we get any farther here, my aim this morning is not to convince you that we should deny ourselves of all worldly pleasures and, and go live as monks in some remote monastery, just completely isolated from the happy things of this world. It is by no means a sin to enjoy the happy things. Things like Christmas, food, entertainment, spouses, kids, you name it. These are good gifts given to us by a loving God designed to increase our worship as we enjoy them to his glory. But when we exchange God for these gifts, trusting in them alone to satisfy our deep need for joy, we persist in our slavery to sin. In fact, I, I want to encourage each of us this, this day, from moving forward from this, this day, to truly evaluate every earthly gift of ours with this question. Does this gift, does this increase my joy in God, or is it a God that keeps me from enjoying him? Does this increase my joy in God, or is it a God that keeps me from enjoying him? And our sin-born tendency is to treat them as the latter. So how do we push back against this temptation? We need to see these two sources of happiness in contrast with one another. In the same way that the glow of a flashlight is consumed by the radiance of the sun when it's, when it's turned on during the day, we need to expose the inadequacy of earthly pleasures in light of God's word. As my, as my boy Charles Spurgeon once correctly wrote, nothing teaches us the preciousness of the creator as much as when we discover the emptiness of everything else. That's what we're going to do. What makes the joy of reconciliation with God through Jesus so much greater than the joy of this world? Why is God our only worthy wellspring of complete joy? So with the rest of our time, we're going to look at five points in Romans 5, 1 through 11 that show us exactly how the joy of reconciliation infinitely surpasses the happiness of worldly pleasure. So, first and foremost, in Christ we receive joy through grace. Take a look at verses 6 through 8 with me in Romans 5 here. Paul writes this. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Gosh, what a powerful passage. There are few pleasures in this world that I can think of that we don't have to earn in one sense. For example, I, I really enjoy my career, really do. But, but to have gotten hired at Pixel where I work took years of, of hard work, growing in my abilities as a designer, learning new skills, software, refining my portfolio, 
I mean, in the world sense, I was hired in regard to my degree of deservedness, right? We see the essence of this in, in verse 7 when Paul says, perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. I mean, your degree of deservedness may warrant such a significant reward. But if salvation from our sin was dependent on our deservedness, listen to this, no one would be worthy of it, all right? No one, none of us. Godly joy, however, comes to us the complete opposite way. In our utter helplessness, while we were still vehemently opposed to God, even as we nailed his hands and feet to the cross, Jesus willingly laid down his life for our reconciliation. It is by grace we have been saved through faith, as Ephesians 2 puts it. Not by our deservedness, but by faith. Faith in Jesus as our one true reconciler. That's it. That's it. In this world, we must earn our joy, yet Jesus gives us his joy freely. His grace completely changes the way we enjoy the pleasure of this world as well. If our sovereign God has given us eternal salvation as a gift, then the Spirit changes our hearts to receive every other joy in this world as the very same, a gift. As James 1.16 puts it, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Christ's reconciliation transforms our prideful sense of earning into humble, undeserved reception. We can enjoy those things more because of it. Second, in Christ, we have joy through justification. Now, if you're unfamiliar with it, that's quite a word, but in it lies superior joy. Looking back at Romans 5, verse 1, we read, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in the same way that we receive his grace by faith in Christ, we are justified as well. And this word justified, it's a, it's a legal term. And it's used to describe a person who has been declared righteous by the law, acquitted from all former and future charges. It means that in Christ, the entirety of our sin is wiped clean. All of it. All of it. Past, present, and future. This isn't a, a simple pardon where we get another shot to, to do our best until we inevitably fail again. It, instead, Jesus gives us his righteousness in exchange for our sinful record. We are declared perfect as he is perfect in the eyes of God for all eternity, and nothing can change it. Nothing. As Romans 8.1 plainly states, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, that doesn't change. But that's not how it works with the joy of this world, right? For instance, if a doctor declares you healthy after battling cancer for so many years, he cannot offer any guarantee that the cancer won't return. If our joy is solely fixed on the promise of, of a healthy, disease-free life on the other side of it, then it can be snatched up at any moment. This is why Paul says that we have peace with God through our justification. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, God poured out every drop of wrath that we deserved onto his son. All that remains for us now is peace. No amount of healthy living, medicine, surgical procedures can atone for the wrath 
that death awaits for us in this world. Thirdly, our joy comes through the Holy Spirit. In verse 5, we read that because we have been reconciled by the blood of Christ, God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is, this is beyond incredible. Pay attention to this. Don't miss it. Our joy is incomplete because, like we said, we have been cast from our God's presence, from his holy temple. But, so, so what does he do? Through faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes us his temple. He makes us his temple. God comes to dwell within us. The Spirit helps us by continually ministering the truth of God's love to us. He calls to remembrance all that Jesus has taught. He strengthens us in our weakness. He intercedes with the Father on our behalf when we are unable to pray as we ought. He is the unrelenting waterfall of God's joy pouring into our lives, constantly, always there, present with us, dwelling in us. If I want a perpetual stream of joy in this world, then I must be responsible for every last drop of it. And I certainly try my best, too. I really do. When I push God's joy aside, I really try my best, especially around Christmas time. Anybody else? Every year I try and maintain this, this steady high of just happy Christmas things because it, it keeps me from dwelling on the trials of everyday life. I listen to Christmas music all day long. The moment I wake up until I at least get home from work and Stacey says, stop listening. Um, I, I watch Christmas movies nearly every night. I fill myself with all of this Christmas food and these treats and, and that I can get my hands on and hope that my happiness will not run dry. But it does. It does. It's not enough. Now here's where the contrast of Jesus' reconciliation and the joy of, of this world becomes most stark. Paul tells us that in Christ, our joy increases through suffering. Starting in verse 3, he writes this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Friends, what worldly joy isn't totally dismantled by suffering? When heartache and trial take hold of our lives, every good and happy thing we hold fast to, it just loses its potency. Food loses its flavor. Entertainment it loses its effect. I mean, even the love that we share with, with friends and family it can grow cold. And long after our suffering has passed, we can only look back on that time in bitterness for the joy it robbed from us. Yet in Christ, we don't simply live indifferent to our suffering. We rejoice in it. Now, I don't want to speak too flippantly on this matter. And there are many people here today who have experienced a kind of suffering that to say that we can somehow rejoice in it feels utterly grotesque. Yet this truth is not saying that as Christians we are expected to take pleasure in our suffering. No. Every person, reconciled or not, is equally subject to mourn the pain of this sinful world. But as 2 Corinthians 4 reminds us, by the all-surpassing power of God, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. 
persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. No amount of suffering can dismantle our joy because it all serves to redirect our gaze towards the unwavering hope of eternal life in Christ. Through suffering, the Spirit increases our ability to endure it. And through our endurance, He transforms us into the image of His Son. And by this transformation, we can rejoice in hope, dear friends, that the one day our joy will be complete as we stand free from suffering and the presence of God for all eternity. And this leads us right into our final point. There is no greater joy than the good news of reconciliation with our loving Father through Jesus Christ because in Him, our joy endures through death. Our joy endures through death. Whatever joy you may have in this world, all of the happiness you have stored up for yourself, all of the possessions, the relationships, reputations, every last shred of contentment that doesn't come from God will be swallowed up by death. Death will steal it and leave you with nothing. But for those who have been reconciled to God through Jesus, Romans 5.2 tells us that we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Just as Jesus rose from the grave to conquer our sin once and for all, we will rise with him in victory over death and enter into the complete, unfading, overflowing happiness of his glory forevermore. What, what good news is this? What great joy. Yet even greater still, as the angel announced, this good news of great joy is for all people. This is for all people. No matter who you may be, where you've come from, what you've done, this news is for you, church. This news is for you, to the faithful, to the curious, to, to those who have assumed upon a shallow faith for far too long, good news, great joy. To the skeptic, the indifferent, and the ardently opposed, good news, great joy. To the Muslim, and the Islamic extremists, to the Buddhist, the, the agnostic, and the atheist, to the Jew, the Mormon, the Jehovah's Witness, good news, great joy, to the poor, to the middle class, to the rich, to the liberal and the conservative, to the sexual harassers, the misogynists and the molesters, to the murderer, the thief, and the convict, to the drunk, to the addict, and the depraved, to the broken, to the mistreated, and the enslaved, to every sinner who longs for reconciliation, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. This joy is real, Christ community. It's real. I've tasted it, and as have many of you. And I urge you, friends, take hold of it for yourself. Do not settle for anything less than fullness of joy. You were created to know it. And Jesus died and rose again so that you might regain it. May we, in the words of, of Jonathan Edwards, endeavor to obtain for ourselves as much happiness in God as we possibly can with all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence, yea, violence that we are capable of. And may we do so by the reconciling power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. 
oh God, what good news, what great joy that you have reconciled us in spite, in spite of our infidelity, in spite of our continual search for things that will satisfy us here. God, you are enough. You are more than enough. And I pray that whatever we do enjoy here, God, it would only serve to increase our enjoyment of you. The wellspring of perfect hope, the wellspring of perfect peace, the wellspring of perfect love, and the wellspring of perfect joy. May we find our joy fully in you, Jesus. Thank you for dying and for making this possible. We love you. In your name, amen.